Welcome to the Pascal Ngwe Podcast. Pastor Pascal is the senior pastor of Alive Bible Church, a vibrant and growing church with branches across South Africa. Pastor Pascal is an anointed teacher of the Word of God who makes the Bible to come alive. Get ready to be empowered as you listen to the Word of God. Those who are offended... I want to ask you a question since the beginning of the series. Have you gotten offended? I got offended a few times. And you know, I just went back to the to the to the teachings. And you know, it's been helping me. It's been helping me. And I want to encourage you to whenever you are feeling offended, just speak one of the titles. Yeah, even fast forward it to the place where you know it always hits you nice. And then get it there. Matthew 18, verse 7. Woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses must come. But woe to that man by whom the offense comes. Praise the Lord. Reduce the music a little bit. Now, the Bible says, what to that man by whom the offense comes? We saw last week, among the things we've learned so far about offense is that offense comes from, from somebody. Usually, there's a person that is being used to offend you. And if you observe your life well, Satan seems to have identified strategic people through which or through whom he's constantly, reduce the music, through whom he's constantly um, offending you. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, the Bible says, what to that man by whom the offense comes? So I want us to, before I, before I tell you what I want to tell you this morning, I, I, you know, I've just taken time to, who, who is that man? Do you get it? Who is that man through whom offense comes? If you look in the book of Psalm 41 verse 9, the Bible says, even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread, has turned against me. Are you listening? So, through this verse, I kind of saw different things that can identify the person through whom offense can come into your life. Because you need to know, not everybody can offend you. Yeah. Not, if you are the type that just about anybody can offend you, then you are really an emergency. Like, you are, you are at a stage of emergency. That just anyone can offend you. It shouldn't be the case. Shouldn't, there should be some people that no matter what they do, doesn't mean anything to you. So who is that person through whom offense can come into your life? Who is that person? Number one, someone close to you. The closer a person is to you, the more the chances of you getting offended through that person. Someone close to you. The Bible says, 
woe to the person, to that man through whom offense will come. So who is that man? That man is someone close to you. Someone close to you, like a sibling, your brother at home, your sister at home. And if you've noticed, a lot of offense comes through those avenues. Siblings, a friend, a colleague at work. They are close. You see them every day. So chances of them offending you are very high. A classmate, a teammate. These are close people. These are close people. So if you want to check where offense is most likely to come, just first assess who are the closest people to me. Who are the closest people to me? Who is this man? Someone you trusted and opened up to. Anyone you've trusted? Do you have people in your life you've trusted with your life or you've trusted with information? Do you have people in your life you've opened up to? Aha. If there are people in your life that you've trusted to some degree, maybe this person you are holding him in high regard. Maybe this person, you really trusted him and you know, all those things. Remember, if you trust a person, that person has the capacity of betraying you and in in so doing, offending you. Are you listening to me? If you've opened up to somebody, I mean, there are people that got offended with me because they opened up to me about their lives and they were expecting that I will follow up, you know, like, you know, when somebody comes to you and tells you, I have this problem, I have this problem, I have this problem, I have this problem. So, they will open up to me about their stuff, but I will take a bit longer in, you know, getting back to them, following up, or, you know, and that, they will get very offended. Then I notice that when people open up to you, it's like something very important has left them to come to you. And you need to be careful with what you do with, with, with that. Once a person has opened up to you, it means they trust you. It means they believe you can do something about the situation. So when you take that whole information and you sit on it, you do nothing about it. They can get offended and feel that you are taking them for granted. Or maybe that you don't value what they shared with you. Maybe you don't realize that it was so precious to them. Somebody who opened up to you. Who is this man? Someone you love. Someone you love. Someone you love. Someone you love. And I can safely say this morning that the more you love a person, the deeper the offense. (laughs) Or the deeper the love, the more painful the offense. Do you, do you have people in your life that you love, that this, I love this person, I love this person, I admire this person, I love this one, you know? Your beloved can offend you because you love them, because you love. When you love, look, if you don't have any attachment, any feelings towards somebody, you know, they can do a lot of things and it do not mean much. 
But once your emotions are attached to somebody, you must know that chances are you can get hit from that area. Your wife can offend you. Big time. Your husband can offend you. Easily. Just, just now you are offended. Just now, just now he has offended you. We're talking about this man through whom offense can come. Who are these people through whom offense can come? People you love. Your child can offend you. Your pastor can offend you. Your leader can offend you. These are people that are close to your heart. These are people you have hold, held in high regard in your life. And because of that position that they occupy in you, therefore, any mishap can have a great impact. Someone you have placed great expectations on can offend you. You've placed high expectation on this person. You are expecting this much from this person. That is a setup for offense. Not just a setup for, you know, um, I can ask it maybe disappointment, but also offense. It's also a setup for offense. High expectations. High expectations. Is pastor say you shouldn't expect anything? No. But I'm just saying, know that these people from which you are having great expectations from are also the very same people from where offense can come from. Especially when the expectations are not met. When the expectations are not met. Lastly, someone you had invested a lot on. You've invested a lot here. You've put a lot of your time. You've put a lot of your teachings. You've put a lot of your wisdom. You've put a lot of your money. You even put a lot of your emotions, your life. You've put a lot of investment on somebody. And they turn around and crash all those things you've done. Church members are very, very specialists sometimes in doing things like this. I promise you. You will invest, 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 pray for them, do this, do that. Hey, but they can just turn and disappear as if you don't exist. Mm. Disciples. People you are raising up in the ministry. People you are raising up in their faith. Hey, if you are not careful, you are putting all your investment there, but they are not really aware. I mean, they don't feel it's necessary, so they just turn their back and they leave. And that can offend you. That can hurt you. You remember all your sleepless nights. You remember all the time you were supposed to have, you know, had been at home watching TV or doing, but you were there helping them, doing this for them. Now they've just turned up. And, I mean, they've just turned away. They didn't even say goodbye. They've changed their number. And it's as if you've sinned against them. Yeah. They forget all the investment. They forget all the hours you spend teaching them, showing them, helping them. These are all opportunities for offense. What to that man through whom offense will come? So we've, we've identified the man a bit. Someone close to you, 
someone you trusted and opened up to, someone you've loved, someone you've placed great expectations on, and someone you've invested a lot on. All of that is a person. And there are people like that in your life. You know, so just, and when, what I'm trying to say this morning is when offense comes from there, just remember this teaching. Oh, you know what? Yes, it could happen. All right, let's continue with what we started last week. From lava to monster. Seven stages of offense. Part two. Praise the Lord. Then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Matthew 24, verse 10. I told you last Sunday that Jesus contracted many stages in this verse. Like, because when you look at it, there's offense, then there's betrayal, and then there's hatred. But it takes a longer process before you reach betrayal. And it takes an even longer process before you reach hatred leading to murder. So what we are trying to do, last week I started, and I'm going to hopefully finish today, because next week I want to show you how to overcome offense. Like I need to give you some, some tools to help you. It's true that the focus of this uh, series was really not to give you all the tools on how to overcome offense, but rather to make you aware about offense. Like you become more aware that there's this thing around called offense, you know, and that is dangerous. Praise the Lord. Now, we saw last week that the first stage, you know, of offense is withdrawal. So withdrawal. Be careful when people are beginning to withdraw around you. Take note of withdrawals. Do not think withdrawals are nothing. Do not think withdrawals are just, you know, maybe the person had a bad day or the person is having a bad week. Don't think that way. When you have sense that somebody is withdrawn or is withdrawing, it's a very important indication that there is offense somewhere or offense is beginning to build up somewhere. Now, withdrawal happens a lot in relationships and marriages. A lot. Sons of Sons 5, 5 to 6. We read this last week. I'm just taking the portion that I want to discuss with you on. I rose up to open to my beloved and my hands dropped with myrrh and my fingers with sweet-smelling myrrh upon the handles of the lock. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone. My soul failed when, I, when he spake I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, 
but he gave me no answer. All these are indications that somebody is withdrawing. When you can't find them anymore, she, she says, she's saying here that I sought but could not find him. That you are with him in the house, but you don't know what's going on. You, you, can't, you can't figure him out anymore. You can't figure him out. He's withdrawing. He's withdrawing. He's withdrawing because also he's no more answering you. So I called him, but he gave me no answer. So they're talking less. You know somebody is withdrawing when they are talking less and less. They are there, but they are not there. You get it? Like, they are in the house with you, but you can sense that this person, you know, the body is there, but the person is not there. Because they are no more engaging, they are no more interested in what is happening in the house. They've withdrawn. It happens a lot. In marriages, it happens a lot. In relationships, loving, love relationships, people just withdraw. So you need to start learning these signs. You need to learn when your beloved is gone. They are gone. And you are left behind. They've changed directions. You are looking for them, but you can't find them anymore. There are some certain usual places where you usually know, if I hit here, he will respond. If I come here, I'll find him. If I do like this... But you are hitting all those spots. But there's no response. Hmm? You are trying the best meal you know he likes. But there's no response. You are bringing flowers. But she's not responding. She's gone. The body is present but the person is gone. The person has withdrawn. Learn to recognize these things. When they are talking less. You will say something, but they're not, it seems like they're not interested. Or they just give you some small, small, small answers that, you understand, that don't really, they're not engaging in the conversation. It's a sign of withdrawal. Do not take it like, don't say he's tired. Don't, Don't say she had a bad day. No, she's withdrawing from you. Because she is offended, because he is offended. Don't be a fool. Learn this sign. Learn this sign. In every relationship, there will be times when the person begins to withdraw. And when they start withdrawing, they things are, the things are, that you are seeing here, eh? I sought him, but could not find him. You can't find them anymore. You can't find them anymore. You can go through your whole day. You can't find them. You don't meet them even in your phone, in the phone calls, in the WhatsApps, you are not meeting. They've withdrawn. They've withdrawn. So withdrawals happens in relationships and in marriages. And I'm trusting the Lord that God is going to help us. Because remember, withdrawal is the first and the easiest stage to break. 
Unfortunately, when withdrawal starts happening usually, we don't fight back. We feel, no, no, he's just, just having a bad day. You know, it's, it's okay. No, that's the time to rise up. That's the time to pursue. That's the time to move. That's the time to, to, to do what you can do. When you don't see your ship, your ship is withdrawing. That's not the time to say maybe there's a funeral at home. That, no, 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 no. That's the time to pursue immediately as soon as the service is over. You have to find out where is this person? What happened? Why didn't I see you today? That thing that you are letting go, withdrawal has started. Withdrawal has started. And once you miss it the first week, oh, you miss it the second week, the thing is about to take a different direction. Flats are about to start falling on you. Hmm? Especially, you know, in the church, when people start withdrawing, you can sense that this person is no more the way they usually are. Yes. They start holding back. They start pulling out. They start being less involved, less participative, less, like everything just start taking a dip. They become more reluctant to even involve themselves. They come late. Like all of that are signs of withdrawal. When somebody is not late, they were always early, now they are late, now they don't give any excuse. They, I mean, they are not even, you can just sense something is withdrawing. Something is withdrawing. And you shouldn't just sit and watch it happen before your eyes. Have to rise up. Because this is the stage where you can still do something. At this stage, you can still, because they haven't gone far. They have gone, but not too far. Not too far. You can still get them back. Why does withdrawal make things worse for a believer? Because withdrawal quenches your fire. You must know that as a child of God, you have a fire inside of you. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs 20 verse 27, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. So there's a candle in you and that candle is lit when you are in the fellowship. But you must know, just like every candle, the light is not always on. There are certain conditions that are favorable for the light on the candle to be on. One of them is that there's somebody there with matches that constantly, when it goes off, he constantly switches, brings it back on again. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Now, when you withdraw yourself, you must understand that that candle in you might not stay on for a long time. The candle is going to go off. And when the candle goes off, you might not even know the candle has gone off. And you will enter darkness. And that is where all the wrong decisions... You become now at the mercy of the wild animals. I'm sure you will notice that when you go to the bush in the forest, there are wild animals in the forest. And they are hungry. And they want to eat. The only thing that stops them from coming to eat when you are in that camp is the bonfire that is there. As long as the fire is burning, the wild animals cannot come close. But as the fire is going down and you are not doing anything 
to rekindle the fire, the wild animals kept getting closer and closer and closer until they are no more threatened by any fire and then they attack. That is the same thing in the realm of the spirit. In the realm of the spirit, most demons are spiritual animals. It is the candle of the Lord in you. And also in the book of Hebrews 1 7, the Bible says that, and all the angels, and of all the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. Ministers are flames of fire. A flame of fire. A flame of fire. A minister, a child of God, has a candle in him, but he is also a flame of fire. A flame of fire. Now you need to understand something. As a flame of fire, you need to stay in the place where the other fires are so that your flame doesn't go out. So that your flame doesn't go out. The moment you withdraw that flame, no matter how strong it was, it starts reducing. It starts reducing. It starts reducing. And this is what has led to many to fall into the hands of all kinds of devourers out there. Remember the Bible says that Satan throws around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. I mean, the more you distance yourself from the main fire, where the fire is burning hot, you become an easy target for him. All the people connected to you, to your, to your fellowship, to your church, wherever you are, the moment they start, you must teach them that as soon as you start distancing yourself, the candle in you might not stay on for a long time. And the fire, the flame on you will start going out. You need to stay in the fellowship. The Bible says in Acts 2, 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship. One of the signs you have withdrawn is you don't even hear the apostle doctrine and we are no more listening to your apostle. You can't hear his voice through cast box. You can't hear his voice through YouTube. It's a sign of withdrawal. As soon as you are no more able to listen to your pastor, you have put him on a corner and you have withdrawn because the Bible says that my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. When Satan has succeeded in dislocating you from the voice of your shepherd, you have withdrawn. You have withdrawn. I don't want to lie to you. If you can no more hear the voice of your shepherd, if the voice of your shepherd is not a nauseance to you, if the voice of your shepherd is something you just listen to once in a while, let me tell you something. It's a big sign. You have withdrawn. You have withdrawn. You have withdrawn. You better check your heart. You better check your heart. When was the last time you listened to your shepherd by yourself from your heart? When was the last time you did that? When was the last time you did that? It's a sign of familiarity. I know everything he's saying there. I know everything he's going to say today. There's no need to go back there and listen to anything. I know everything that he's talking about. It's a sign of familiarity. And familiarity breeds contempt. And before long, your flame goes out. And you are out in the wild, in the dark, 
with all kinds of wild animals that are ready for your flesh. They're ready for your flesh. You better wake up this morning and realize that withdrawal is happening before your eyes. Withdrawal has been happening before your eyes. Clearly before your eyes. Clearly before your eyes. My sheep hear my voice. Are you hearing the voice of the shepherd? See, you are deceiving yourself. You are deceiving yourself. You've withdrawn. You've withdrawn. May God grant us grace to reconnect to that fellowship. To reconnect to the voice and to stay connected. The Bible says they continued in the apostles' doctrine. They continued. They continued. You may, maybe you started, but are you continuing? Are you, they didn't, they, the Bible doesn't say they started and steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They said they continued steadfastly, steadfastly with the apostles' doctrine. They continued in fellowship. They didn't withdraw from the fellowship. The Bible says that we should not stop meeting together as some have the habit of doing. They continue in the fellowship. If there is a meeting, they make effort to be there. They don't find excuses to not come. They make all kinds of effort to make sure they are there. They continue in fellowship. They continue in the breaking of the bread. They were sharing meals together. When was the last time you shared a meal with a child of God in the church? You are eating alone. You are breaking bread alone. By yourself. Then they continued in prayers. In prayers. These four fundamental pillars, if any of them is dislocated in your life, apostles' doctrine, fellowship, communion, and then prayer. No, you've withdrawn. Have you continued in prayer? If not, you've withdrawn. Have you withdrawn? I know you are coming to church, but are you continuing in prayer? It's a sign you are withdrawing already. You are withdrawing already. When you withdraw, your understanding fades. When you withdraw, your understanding fades. Psalm 73 verse 3. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. If you read that whole psalm, David now starts describing how the wicked seems to enjoy. How the wicked seems to have everything going for him. The wicked is succeeding. Everything he's doing is working well. He said, when he saw the wicked, when he saw how things seem to go so well for unbelievers, people who don't come to church, they seem to be successful so much. He said, he became what? Envious. When he saw the prosperity of the wicked, that's verse 3. But when you reach verse 17, because from verse 3 to verse 16, he's describing the unbelievers. He's telling you everything that they have and how they, have, they are fat. 
They are eating well. They are, I mean, they are prosperous. Then in verse 17, it says, Until I went to the century of God, I was envious of the wicked until I went in the century of God. Hold it, hold it. Then I understood their end. I understood. I could only understand this thing when I went to the fellowship, to the century. So the more I withdraw from the century, the more I detach myself from the century, the more my understanding fades, and the more I fall into deceptions, into delusions, into all kinds of error. Into all kinds of error. Watch people that are detached from the fellowship. They will live under the deceptions of unbelievers. Because they don't understand their end. They don't understand their end. They are in the same pot. They're, they're calling themselves believers, but they are in the same pot with unbelievers. Because they have detached themselves from the fellowship. When they dress in a certain way, you envy them. When they do something, you envy it. You want to be exactly where they are. You know what is your problem? You have withdrawn. You have withdrawn from the fellowship. You have withdrawn from prayer. You have withdrawn from the voice of your leader. You have withdrawn from doctrine. That's why you can't understand the end of these guys. You are rather envying them because you don't know the end. The Bible says the end of a matter is better than the beginning. That's why you must fight for your people to stay in the fellowship because a lot of light is communicated when you come to the house of God. When you come to church, many lights are brought to you and a lot of darkness are cleared and you can understand things properly and you can stop being deceived. Deception leaves you because in the church, you know the truth and the truth sets you free. In the church, you receive light. The light of the gospel. And you start rising. Arise and shine. Why? Your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Thy word is a lamp unto my path and a light unto my feet. The light. The further you are from fellowship, the further you are, the more you withdraw, the less light you have access to. And the less light you have access to, the more you will make wrong this because you can't understand well. Your understanding starts fading. Your ability to assess things will start diminishing. And something that yesterday you knew is wrong, today because your understanding has faded, you start saying, but actually that thing is not wrong. It's not as wrong. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not that bad. I mean, it's, it's, it's okay. I mean, you can... You see, your understanding is fading. Your understanding is fading. That's why you are beginning to reason like that. That's why you're beginning to reason like that. But show me a person who's constantly in the presence of God. Eh? David said, until I went into the century. Can I tell you something? Until you go into the century, you will never understand certain things. You will never understand them. You will continue living in deceptions. You will continue envying unbelievers. I don't blame you. You are not in the century. 
You are not in the secret place of the Most High. So your understanding is, what, according to the body of the Bible, says, your understanding is darkened. It's darkened. Receive light this morning in the name of Jesus. And be confident in your God. That you are not in, things might not look like you are winning now. But you see, if you are in the century, the century will show you the future. You will look better. You will see, you know what? Ah, I know that ahead, ahead lies great hope. Ahead lies great victory. Ahead lies great success. So I will continue on my journey. I will continue on my journey. Yeah. Don't just say I'm on a good road. Ask yourself the question, what, what is the end of this road that I'm on? Don't just say, these guys are enjoying. Ask yourself, as they are enjoying, what is the end of where they are going? You say you are impressed because they are here. But you will not be that impressed when you see when they reach there. I understood their end. I understood their end. It's very important. That is what I can tell you about withdrawing. It's very important to not withdraw. It's important that you fight to stay connected. There are people God has brought into your life. You, will, you must know Satan will fight those relationships. He understands what stems from them. He understands that if he can detach you from just one godly given relationship, he has destroyed a lot of things about your life. It is up to you to learn these principles and to not allow offense to ever become the reason why you will detach yourself from a God-ordained relationship out of which is throwing wisdom, out of which is throwing protection, out of which is throwing light and all kinds of provisions and satisfactions. You will withdraw from something like that simply because you are offended. The offense that a few weeks down the line, you will even forget about it. But you will allow it to steal such a treasure from you. I believe you are wiser than that. Number two, what is the second stage of offense? Bitterness. When a person withdraws, the next thing that starts happening to them is that they start becoming bitter towards the person they feel has offended them. That is the next stage you enter into. Hebrews 12 verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Bitterness. If the first stage is not broken, you enter bitterness. You become dissatisfied. You become resentful. You become angry inside. That is the next thing that starts happening to you. And I'm going to show you how to to, to notice that maybe I'm becoming bitter. Genesis 37 verse 4. Talking about the brothers of Joseph. The Bible says in the NIV, when his brothers saw that their father loved Joseph more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. 
So how do I know? The Bible doesn't say they would not speak a kind word to you. They could not. When you become bitter, you cannot be kind again. It becomes absolutely, I want to say, close to impossible. And many times you even wake up and say, today I'm going to change. Today, today I'm going to try. Today I'm going to try to. Today I'm going to try to. to, to, to. But by the time you see the person, you, you just, you, you lose control. It's a sign you've become bitter. Or you are becoming bitter. You can't speak a kind word. The first thing that is affected when you become bitter is kindness. Kindness leaves you. You become less kind. Do you get it? That you are no more a kind person. Kind words, kind actions, all of that withdraws from you. You become rough. You become rude. Mm. With your words. Ephesians 4 verse 32. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. 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 Forgiving one another. Even as God in Christ forgave you. This is what you should know. This is what God expects from us. That we should be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Not this rock-hearted. Tender, tender. There must be some softness. A bitter person loses all sense of softness. They become hard. Very, very hard. Everything they are doing to you, to a person, when they are, when they are offended at you, even when there's not, the way they answer you, even to, so, so, should I change the channel? You're just asking, should I change the channel? The answer you will get for asking to change the channel, you will ask yourself, is this still a channel I'm talking about, or what is happening here? So, so what happened is that, the offended, the person who is feeling that he, he's offending this one, that one, they become more and more reserved. Because they've, they've experienced the bitterness through the answers. They've experienced the bitterness through the attitude. So it causes them to withdraw also. Hmm? Tender-hearted, forgiving one another. When you pass bitterness, you enter the third, the third stage, which is suspicion. You become suspicious. From that moment, you don't trust the person anymore. Mm. You don't trust. Once you pass bitterness, once your church member passes bitterness, they stop trusting the church. They stop trusting the people of the church. They stop trusting a lot of things that you are seeing there. It changes. It changes. Once your beloved has passed bitterness and they enter suspicion, you must understand that from now, they don't trust you. They don't trust you. And you should understand that it is very hard 
to love a suspicious person. Very, very hard because there's nothing you can do to make them believe that what you are saying is true or that what you are... What, that once they become mistrustful, once they become suspicious, you have entered a very dangerous zone. In fact, let me say to you that a suspicious lover or a suspicious beloved is like a flashing toilet. Let me explain what I mean. You see the, the, the flashing toilet? You can flash and flash and flash and flash. The water is never full. Do you understand? No matter how you flash, no matter how you pour water in a flashing toilet, the water is never full. The water always goes and the level remains the same. When somebody doesn't trust you, no matter what you buy, no matter what you give, no matter how you beg, no matter how you roll on the floor, nothing changes much. Nothing changes much. The level remains the same. The level remains the same. It's the same level. Mm. It's never enough. So you, be, you become drained. You do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. And you are thinking that, okay, now, this toilet, when I leave the, the seat, I will find water at the, up here by the, by the brim. To your greatest surprise, it is hollowing somewhere down there. Just the way it was three weeks ago. Just the way it was last year. It's still like that. It hasn't changed. Why? Because there's no trust. There's no trust. It started with offense, but the offense became a withdrawal that led to bitterness. Now, no trust. Suspicion. Suspicion. Once you cross suspicion, you enter the fourth stage. And at the fourth stage, is revenge. Yes. At this level, the person is beginning to devise means to punish you. Do you get it? Like, you need to pay small for all the things you've done. You need to pay. Like, they start feeling that maybe this thing can settle down if you pay. Like if, this make, if you make it to also suffer a bit. So they become an avenger. They become an avenger. They start looking for ways to also wrong you. To also hurt you. Mm, and to punish you. To punish you. So you start feeling something is going on. Something is going on. Yeah. You are constantly blackmailed, reminded of what you did, reminded of this, reminded of that. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. Yeah. Now, at this level, at this level, at the revenge level, it, it starts getting really, really ugly. Yeah. At this level, it starts getting ugly because the person starts wishing for you to also have bad experiences. 
if through you they had a bad experience, they start actually wishing to hear that something bad has happened to you. Yeah. It's malice. Ill will. That's the level you have entered. A malicious person. They are no more that lover you, you, you met. They are not a malicious person that is with you just for the sake of seeing how down you're going to go. That's basically what it has not turned to. I'm no more here because I love you. I'm here to see how you're going to go down. I want to be here to watch it happen. Hmm? Then it shifts to number five. Stubbornness. It goes without saying. The person becomes hardened. They are stubborn. Stubborn. Proverbs 18 verse 19, the Bible says, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. Do you know what is a city? The Bible says that you can easily take over a whole city than it is for you to win back a brother you have offended. Do you know why? Because at this level, the person actually starts feeling that, you know what? That they start believing that they are right in their position that you wronged them. Like they feel they have a right to be the way they are because you've wronged them. So they don't have any intention of changing because they actually feel wherever they are, it is right. Yeah, it's an entitlement that they really feel that, no, this is the position I should take. You've wronged me. And I need to see some repayment here. That's, so, so they need to stay in a certain frame of mind the whole time. They cannot change. Because if they change, it must suggest that they were wrong. If they change, it must suggest that maybe they made a mistake. So they need to stay continuously in their position. And that is where the spirit of stubbornness comes to assist them. You must understand that stubbornness always spells bad news. Stubbornness will never be a good sign. When a person is stubbornly on the same line, no matter what you do, stubbornness will always be a bad sign. Always. I'm telling you, you can never change it. If a person is continuously stubborn, you must know it's a bad sign. This person is assisted by evil spirits. Because the Bible says in the book of 1 Samuel that uh, stubbornness is as the, the sin of witchcraft. A stubborn person is not far from witchcraft. It's more or less the same thing. And these are people that don't want to change their mind. Their position is, you've wronged me. You've wronged me. And you haven't asked for forgiveness. Even when you came to ask for forgiveness, you didn't ask for forgiveness very well. I didn't appreciate the way you asked for forgiveness the first time you came to ask for forgiveness. I could feel that you were not sincere. And I could feel that you were not honest. And there are certain elements you did not speak about which I was expecting for you to speak about. 
And you know how much I want to hear about those elements. And you, over, you, you, you just overlook them and you purposefully avoided them. In fact, you have offended me now more than initially. Stubbornness. Stubbornness. James 3 verse 17, the Bible says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle. But the part I love the most is this one. Easy to be entreated. Full of mercy. A real child of God should be easy to be entreated. It should not be, it should not take years to get you to, to change. It should be easy to entreat with you. It should be easy. When you have become, you see the Bible says here, the verse I read earlier, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. Have you seen a, the castle uh, doors? You see those bars that you use for, for the hinges? You see, that is the, how the person has become. He is that hard. She is that hard. You cannot entreat this person. But the Bible says we should be easy to be entreated. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 7, it's a shocking one. The Bible says, now therefore, it, it is already an utter failure for you that you go, to, uh, you go to law against one another. Meaning in this church, these people went to, the, to court to complain against one another. Now listen to what Paul says. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? And I'm reading the New King James Version. I'm not even reading like the, 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 the soft one. This is New King. He said, why do you not rather let yourself be cheated? You see, the thing is, you are holding so strongly on your position and you have become a stubborn bar that cannot be changed. Paul is asking you, why do you not rather let yourself be cheated? Like, it should even look like, it should even look like, like, you are the one who made a mistake. Meanwhile, you know that they are the one who made a mistake, but you are rather taking the place of a victim just for the sake of, let's move on. Let this thing fall behind us. Let's move to something more important. But I'm holding on to my, my righteousness. You wronged me. And I don't think you understand that you've wronged me. I've observed your behavior in this house. And your behavior shows that you are not even remorseful. And that is really affecting me because I'm expecting you to cry. I'm expecting you to really be sad. 
whenever you come home, for me to feel that you are really hurt, that you've hurt me. But you are coming smiling all the time. You are not remorseful. And I'm not going to change my position. Look at yourself. Now you are monitoring him. You are monitoring to make sure they must not smile. If they smile, it's a sign they are taking your feelings for granted. Is it to be entreated? Is it to be? From today, I pray that you will receive grace to become easy to be entreated. Easy to be entreated. Like it doesn't take a lot of begging, a lot of nights without sleep, a lot of people because, oh, okay, 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 okay. No, easy. Before they finish, they say, no, no, you know what? Honey, let's move on. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Forget about it, forget about it. Now we start talking about something else. I'm trusting God that we'll reach that level. When somebody says to you, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it, you must believe. But you know, I say, no, but I hear what you are saying, but you see, the other day, ah, then you open this file. Then you go to the archives, you go to the archives. Oh! You are not easy to be entreated. When you are behaving like that, it's not easy to be entreated. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's go to another. You see, when you miss to be entreated here, are you not really, I think you're not on the highway. You're not on the highway. Number six, betrayal. At this level, at this level, you're going to do things. All along, you are just saying things. But here, you're going to start doing things. You're going to start acting in a certain way. John 18, 2-3. Now Judas, who betrayed Jesus, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden guarding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. These people didn't know where Jesus was. They had no clue where to find him in the whole of Israel. But they connected with a betrayer. And this betrayer, the Bible says, Judas knew the place. They didn't know the place. The official didn't know the place. The chief priest didn't know the place. The Pharisees didn't know the place. But Judas knew the place. And the Bible says, he guided them At this level, my brother and my sister, you will start acting in a certain way. When you become an offended betrayer, you will expose things you were never supposed to expose. Once you are now saying things that were meant to, 
to stay secret, you've become a betrayer. You've become a betrayer. An offended betrayer will take all the secrets you've shared with him because now they are stubborn. They are not changing. At this level, they don't even see the need to continue keeping these things. What is the use? So they start bringing them out one by one. This is where Judas takes the soldiers to the place because he knows it. You see, as you are interacting with this person, you are getting to know things, isn't it? You are coming across sensitive information. You are coming across life-threatening information. You get to know a lot of things. And all it takes is a bit of offense in your heart. It's a bit of, it's a bit of pressure. And you're going to start saying things you were never supposed to say. And that is called betrayal, if you didn't know. Every time you open your mouth and share an information with a person that the person you are talking about will not share such information with them. Like you take personal things that concern Pastor Pascal. You go and share them with another person to whom Pastor Pascal cannot share such things with the person. You have betrayed Pastor Pascal. As you are standing there or sitting there this morning, you must know you have betrayed Pastor Pascal. You have betrayed your husband. You have betrayed your wife. You have shared something that they will not share. I don't think Jesus, I mean, he was there all his life. Why didn't he show the Pharisees that this is why I usually pray? No, why didn't he take everybody there to say, no, guys, whenever you are looking for me, this is where you will find me. It was a secret place. Everybody has a secret. Everybody has something that is personal. And Judas knew the place. She knew the information. She knew about this thing concerning the church. He knew about this thing concerning the pastor. And all it takes is a little offense. And they become more than a journalist. A paparazzi. An offended betrayer will disclose secrets in violation of an oath taken. They even took an oath. I will never share this. But the day they are offended, they will betray you. That is where it gets. You've taken sensitive information without the authorization of the person who gave them to you and you've taken them and given to somebody else. And sometimes you are giving them to his enemy because if this person was friends with the person that you're getting information, why don't they go directly to the person to get information? Why are they using a middle person? If the Pharisees are friends with Jesus, why do they need a middle Judas to access Jesus? It's because they are not friends. They are enemies. 
and you are sharing important information. Oh, Pastor Pascal stays here. Pastor Pascal lives here. This is what he's doing. This is what this is what he's this is where he's getting the messages. This is what they are using in the church. This is the system they are using. This is what they are doing. You are stupid. You are an idiot. You are a betrayer. You are very close to Judas. And I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. Look at what Judas did. Sold his master. I'm saying that you're stupid. Because after that, he went back. Because he thought these people are his friends. And he went back to them. He said, no, guys, I think I'm said, What does that have to do with us? We don't know you. We don't, we've never seen you. We don't know you. We don't know you. Then you will discover that you are only a middle person. You were nothing. You were nothing. You were just a tool to reach a specific goal. And now that the goal is reached, you become useless. You think you are important to this person. You are not important to them. You are just a tool for them to get this. That's all. That's all. Then there is the last stage. Demonization. Demon. At this level now, after you cross betrayal, be careful. Be careful. Once you can say things that you shouldn't say, be very careful. Once your mouth is too open that you are sharing sensitive information, be very careful. Because from this moment going forward, it's possible, very, very possible, keep the music on, it's very possible that you can easily become demonized. Luke 22, verse 3 to 4, the Bible says, Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. One of the twelve. That precision will never stop being there. What, it was not just, I told you in the beginning that not everybody can offend you. One of the twelve, that is somebody very close. Judas was actually very close because he was keeping the money. He was seriously close. Judas went to the chief priests and the officials on the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. Now, when you become demonized as a result of offense, how do we know that you have now completed the whole cycle? Is that you start making decisions that don't make sense. Like when we study the decisions you are now making, everybody outside your circle is goodness, can't this guy see this? Can't this person see this? At that level, when, when people are wondering, that, is this guy mad? Then you must know you have entered the demonization. Because at that level, at that level, every decision you are making is to destroy you. But rather you are feeling that you are taking a step forward. You know a person has entered demonization. 
when they make decisions that are irrational, out of order, and out of sync, like you can't understand and find what in the world is going on with this guy. How is he this? What, what is he doing like this? Can't, can't you remember that this leads to this? Doesn't he know that this doesn't, this doesn't work? When an offended assistant pastor becomes demonized, he starts calling the pastor from the church he left. And now I've started the church. Come and join me. Come and join me. This church is better. Come and join this side. Then you know that the person has, because after what you have seen in the world, I mean, like over the years, that should be enough indication to you that you are going to, to destroy yourself. But rather, you are doing it. You are, you, are, you, are, you are taking members from other people to make your church. We that are looking from outside, we can just see somebody pouring petrol on themselves and taking matches and leading themselves. But you are feeling that you are ascending the highest levels. The spiritual world was observing Judas. Said, Is this guy mad? One of the twelve. There will never be other twelve disciples of Jesus. What an opportunity you had to be counted among the only twelve disciples Jesus will ever have for all eternity. You left that for 30 pieces of silver that you couldn't even use. What type of decisions are these? Something is wrong with how you are thinking. Something is very wrong with how you are processing your thoughts. But it's clear because Satan has entered. Once Satan enters, your thinking changes. He's there to destroy you, by the way. So he has to lead you to your destruction. You will be surprised that this started just with Withdrawal. Judas kept withdrawing. If there is no other disciples, I think apart from Judas and, and, and Thomas. And Thomas, it happened after Jesus died. But Judas, you, that's the only disciple you hear. People are sitting here. He goes. He leaves. That's the only disciple you hear about. That everybody is sitting here, but he will stand and he will leave. I mean, that couldn't even tell you that. How come the 11th are still there talking with Jesus, but I have left? You stop coming for meetings. You come for meetings late. Or you don't come. You don't even say you didn't. You don't, like you don't even find a decency to say why you didn't come. You began to withdraw. That thing can lead to demonization. I know you don't think it's possible because when Herodias became a monster, you ask about what happened to this woman? No, it started with just withdrawing. Then it went down to bitterness. Kept going down. Kept going down. If you could see some, some of the things that people that have left churches do, you cannot believe it. If this is not demonization, what is it? What is it? The decisions they make, even the actions they take, everything is just led to fire at the end of the day. But if you check deeply, there was just an offense. 
but we didn't deal with the offense. We let the offense get us on a journey that has brought destruction today. I pray for you. I don't know which stage of offense you are finding yourself into today. I don't know how deep you've gone. Maybe you've now had suspicion. Maybe you had bitterness. Maybe you had revenge. Maybe you had betrayal now. Where you have started giving out sensitive information that you know you have no business giving out. You are talking about things that are beyond you. At any level here, you can repent and turn back to God. Because I want to tell you something. It's not ending at betrayal. It's taking you to demonization. I know when you are thinking, you can't imagine that you can get there. You can't get there with your own mind. Sit down. There are spirits that will enter at some stage, if you are not careful. And the type of decisions you're going to take or you're going to make will surprise you yourself. Oh, but the Bible says that when I went to the sanctuary of God, I pray for you this morning that understanding is your portion. Understanding is your portion. Why don't you pray for mercy this morning? Father, I pray for mercy. I pray for mercy. Have mercy on me. I cannot survive by my own wisdom. But have mercy on me so that these messages will really heal me and deliver me from foolishness and really cure me from stupidity. So much so that I become a person that offense cannot shake. Pray for mercy, somebody. Pray for mercy. Pray for mercy this morning. Pray for mercy. Pray for mercy this morning. Pray for mercy. May offense not dislocate you. May brezagola majebra da ba da ba da. Zaprende zepre kanto proje preka zobre gede balamanda da ba da. Zabra gade bazi prekando da ba da ba da ba da ba da ba. Jebreze kanto proko zapra kantere beda bede ba da ba da ba. Rako zebre gandere be shandere beda da ba da ba da ba. Ye kanto robu zabra gandere beda ba de. Jabrada ba de bede, karabazobro gondura mashandara mandere bede ba. Hey, Father, heal through this word. Heal through this word. Save through this word. Restore through this word. Shandere megandura ba jabrandara ba da ba da ba da ba. Epreze prekandura mashandara magandere bendara ba da ba da ba. Hey, abade preza kora mazapra kandura bandere bede bede be. Eva zebre gandura mashandara bandara bandara baraba mega zebre bede bede be thank you lord in jesus precious name we have given thanks father we thank you this morning for this revelation that you gave bishop dakewat mills and through the light you gave him we have access light and we have come to understand certain things that are helping us. I wish we had known this earlier. But we will find that those that will come after us should never miss this. They should know about this. 
Thank you, Father. This morning, we commit our hearts to you. We ask that you will heal us from the offense and deliver us from bitterness, revenge, betrayal, suspicion, demonization, all these things, Lord. If you are watching this morning and you are saying, Pastor, I want to give my heart to God. I've betrayed God in so many ways. I've mocked him. I've said he doesn't exist. Even if I haven't said he doesn't exist, but I've lived as if he doesn't exist. I've betrayed him by my actions. We don't only betray by our words, even our actions can betray. This morning I want to give you an opportunity to get things right with God. You see, Peter betrayed Jesus three times, but Jesus gave him an opportunity to get his life right. He asked him, do you love me? Three times. He had betrayed him three times. This morning, God wants to give you an opportunity to cancel the betrayal. To cancel all these things. God is giving you a fresh start. He's forgiving you. God is actually forgiving you this morning for everything you've done, the way you've lived, the things you've done. He wants to forgive you. Say, listen, my child, I gain nothing when you are feeling bad and when you are feeling guilty. That doesn't advance anything. Just repent and change your ways. This morning, I want to pray with you. If you are saying, Pastor, I want to surrender my heart to God. I want to pray with you. At the count of three, please raise your right hand. I'll pray with you. One, two, three. Bless you. I want you to commit your heart to Christ. I want you to commit your heart to Jesus. At the count of three, raise your right hand. One, two, three. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, I surrender my heart to you today. Please forgive me my sins, my disobedience, my betrayal, my offenses. Wash me with your blood. I believe you died for me. On the third day you rose again, that I might be justified. Right now, I believe my sins are forgiven. I'm justified by your blood. I'm saved. I'm restored. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I am free from the power of sin to serve the living God. Thank you, Jesus, for receiving me. Thank you, Jesus, for restoring me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. May God bless you. Remember to subscribe to receive our latest service notifications and to share the link. You can also watch our pastor, Pastor Pascal, live on our Facebook page, Alive Bible Church HQ, or on our YouTube channel, Alive Bible Church SA. Remember, you are alive to give life.